Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. If I haven't a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church, and so glad that you're joining us, especially if you're visiting or family member in out of t- from out of town around the Christmas season. We love that you're here, uh, gathered with us, and uh, we are continuing the series that we started uh, as we approach Christmas that we're calling, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him. And in this series, uh, we're, we're looking at, uh, or really, I should say, asking the question, okay, what's, how should we respond to Jesus? Oh, how should we come and adore Jesus? What does adoring Jesus look like? And in order to answer that question, we're turning to the Bible and we're, we're seeing uh, how the very first people who met Jesus, how they responded to Jesus, how they came to adore Jesus. And it's very insightful. I hope you've been enjoying the study because it's interesting. You just get this really holistic picture of what it looks like to come and adore Jesus by looking at these different groups of people or individuals in some case and how they respond to Jesus right after his birth. And so, so far in the series, what we've seen is how the angels responded to Jesus's birth. And what we saw then was that the angels responded primarily with joyful singing, Joyful singing, rejoicing, singing the praises of God for sending his son that Jesus had come to be the savior of the world and bring peace on earth. And so they sing. And then the next group that we looked at was, uh, or actually a person we looked at was uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. We saw that her response to actually getting to hold her baby in her arms, to meet Jesus, the very first thing we're told that way that she responded was that she, she pondered she treasured up what people had been saying and she pondered them in her heart. And we say, okay, so when you see Jesus, part of adoring him is, is treasuring up, it's intentionally remembering who he is and what he's done and, and pondering, thinking deeply about those things. And then the next group that we saw were the uh, Magi or the wise men. Justin taught on that last week. And uh, we see in them that when they met Jesus, they came acknowledging that Jesus is the king, that we know the greatest gift that's ever been given, that God has given to us for God's so love the world that he gave. And so they respond to the greatest gift by coming and adoring him by bringing him what? Bringing him gifts. And that that's a part of the initial response to Jesus. And what we've been pointing out in this series, it's kind of fun, is that what we do on Sunday mornings follows how the very first people responded to Jesus right after his birth. And I can't say, I'm not making the case that we intentionally set out to make sure that what we do on Sunday morning follows the response of those who first responded to Jesus, but it does follow the pattern. And one of the things that's interesting about that is that when we gather on Sundays as a church family to sing God's praises and to open up the word and to to treasure up what he says and to ponder, to think deeply about what he says, And when we respond, as we just did in worship, by giving, and then as many people in our church service have already done this morning and is doing currently in Midtown Kids, people serving our church family, another way to give, that all of those things are proper responses to adoring Jesus. That from the very beginning, when Jesus was born, people for thousands of years have been responding to Jesus in that manner. Because it's a fitting response to the king. We would sing his praises, we'd ponder the truth, that we would give in light of the gift that he is to us. And I just, I mean, personally, I just love knowing that today, all over the world, there are churches, there are people gathered as churches 
worshiping Jesus in the same manner that the very first people did when they first met Jesus. They come to adore him, singing his praises, pondering the truth, and giving in light of who he is. And so we're continuing to do that, and it gives a little bit more insight into why we do what we do. It's a proper response. It's what adoring Jesus looks like. But this morning, I want to add another element to it by looking at one more group and how they responded to meeting Jesus for the first time, and that group is the shepherds. So three weeks ago, Justin talked a little bit about this when he talked about the angel's response, but today we're going to really zero in on how the shepherds responded to Jesus after meeting him for the first time. And so if you will, open up to Luke chapter 2. We're going to uh, continue. We're going to go back to that key, most well-known biblical passage on the uh, birth of Jesus, Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 8 and read through verse 20. And so I'll have the words up here on the slide, but um, I really encourage you to follow along in your Bible. You can do that on your phone or if you, uh, Bible that you brought. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the tables and outside of this room, and those are a gift to you. I encourage you to grab that so you can follow along as well. But let me read this, and uh, we'll uh, dive in, looking at how the shepherds respond to Jesus. uh, Luke chapter 2, starting verse 8, says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Okay, let me, let me pray and then we'll dive in. Heavenly, Fa- Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would speak to us this morning from your word. Lord, uh, continue to teach us what it looks like to adore Jesus. Whereas we see the shepherd's response, God, would you show us that this is a fitting response to the gift of your son, to the good news that brings great joy for all the people. And God, would you uh, bring that good news home to each one of our hearts this morning? And Lord, compel us to share it with our city, with our friends, with our families. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's ask the question, how did the shepherds respond to meeting Jesus? And if you were following along, you see the answer is pretty simple. It's right there in verse 17. Let me read it again. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word. There it is. That when they had seen him, they spread the word. Now, this is interesting. Like you would think, okay, angels show up. 
They, they tell, like, this Messiah's be born. They go and see him, and I'm sure they did a number of things. Maybe they asked Mary if they could all hold him, right? They kind of passed him around or something like that. Or they're, you know, I don't know what they did. Uh, they're shepherds. So I don't know if they're really into babies and stuff like that, but they were excited about this. But the very first thing, the thing that Luke tells us that he points out, that he draws our attention to is this, that when they saw him, they spread the word. Now, what was the word that they spread? I mean, did they leave just shouting, it's a boy, it's a boy, you know, or hey, there's a baby that was born in a manger. I don't know how often that happened, but maybe they're just like telling everybody like baby in a manger. It's interesting. No, Luke is clear. Like what they spread the word about was, as he says, uh, spread the word concerning what the angels had told them. So it's very specific what they were sharing with people. What they were, what the message, which is the literal word for uh, the word word, <laughs> this verse, the message is very clear what the message was that he, that they were sharing. They were sharing that the angels had said that this baby that was born in the manger is the Messiah, that he is the Savior, that he is Christ the Lord. Now, let's ask another question, not just how did they respond but why did they respond in this way? Like, why is this the shepherd's response? And I think that in this passage, you see, there's really three reasons why, or three factors for why they responded in this way. The first factor, if you will, is, is what is just the significance of what the angel said to them. That the angel, as I just shared, as we just read, the angels had announced that this person, this baby, is the Messiah, is Christ the Lord, is the Savior. And that is extremely significant, right, to these shepherds. Uh, Justin talked about this a few weeks ago, that this was like, it was just been incredible news. I'm going to talk more about it in just a second. But like when they heard this, they would have thought, man, if this truly is the Messiah, everyone's got to know. And so that would have factored into their response by seeing the baby and spreading the word. They would have thought, man, everyone's got to know that this is the Messiah. And so how do they respond I think that they respond the way that at least I would, I would have responded, perhaps the way that you would have responded. They would have said, okay, okay, this angel said that this is Messiah. I need to find out. <laughs> if, if this, like, did, did Joe the shepherd throw the wild mushrooms into the stew again? Or did this really happen? Are there angels truly just appeared to us? Like, are we making this up? Or is this, how do we know? Well, the angel said this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby, you know, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Let's head to Bethlehem and let's find out if there's truly a baby there. And that's the second factor that I think leads to this response for them is that they had confirmation by what they witnessed. Because what do they do? Verse 15, they they say, okay, well, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. And they go there. And what do they find? Well, they find a baby lying in a manger. A brand new baby, a, a newborn lying in a manger. And I think that their train of thought had to be something along the lines of, look, this is as crazy as can be that these angels would show up and announce the birth of this kid and to all people, to us. But like, it sounds crazy. But the angel said that there would be a baby, and there is a baby. And they, the angel said that we'd find the baby in a manger, and here we are in a manger. And if that is true, then I think it also is safe to follow that this baby is who the angel said he would be. 
Which means, as crazy as it sounds, this baby is the Messiah. It's the Savior, it's Christ the Lord. And having witnessed this, seeing the baby, then that leads them to spread the word about him. Because at that, that leads, you know, the third factor is they knew that this was good news. They absolutely knew that if this is the Messiah, then that is good news that would bring great joy for all the people. See, guys, it's hard for us, you know, most of us not Jews, uh, not grown up like with their context and their, their history for us to gather just what a big deal it was to hear that the Messiah had been born. But you need to understand, just to put yourself in their shoes, like they had been, the Jews had been waiting for the birth of the Messiah, for the coming of the Messiah, for generations and generations and generations and generations. I mean, I could just keep going on and on. Like all the way back to Moses, when Moses was recording the Pentateuch, and he, he even shares, and all the way going back to Genesis 3.15, when we're told that the prophecy, the very first prophecy, that there would be from the birth of the woman, the, the one that would crush the serpent's head, that all the way to Moses in Deuteronomy 18, who says, there's going to be one who's greater, a greater prophet than me that's coming. All the way to 2 Samuel chapter 7, when we're told that King David is told by God that, yes, there is coming a king from your line who will rule from your throne forevermore, as we sang this morning, reigning forevermore. And that for generations and generations and generations, the Jews had looked forward to the coming of the Messiah who would come and set them free. And they had told each other these stories, parents to kids, and then those kids grow up and they tell their kids, and those kids grow up and they tell their kids, and they read what, I, what the prophet Isaiah wrote. Isaiah chapter 9, when he would say, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God an eternal father and prince of peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace or the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And they would say to parents, would say to their kids, and then those kids would grow up and say to their kids, this is happening. The Messiah is coming. One day, maybe in our lifetime, he will be born. And now, do you understand? These shepherds, Minding their own business one night, angel appears and says, time's come. Today, in the city of David, the Savior's been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. He's the Messiah. They knew this was good news. I loved when Justin talked about this a few weeks ago. If you remember, he tried to help us get in touch with like this sense of anticipation that they were feeling. And he, he, he gave a, some modern day examples of what that might be like. You remember that? If you were here with us, one of the ones that he shared was that it would be somewhat similar to, uh, you know, if you can imagine the plight of the you know, horrific plight of the African Americans in slavery in our country. And how for generations and generations they longed for and hoped for and sang about 
the hope that they would be one day be free. This week I was thinking about that and I, I, I just looked up on the internet one of, just one of the reasons I think the internet is awesome is that I could just Google it, uh, reactions to the Emancipation Proclamation. And whenever I Googled that, I came across a, an article written in 18, uh, 1863, I think it was on uh, looking back at the January celebrations of the Emancipation Proclamation. And in it, they just recorded all of these stories. One of them that really stood out to me was, uh, took place in Washington. And here's, here's what the article said. So in Washington, a great flock of men and women and children assembled at the headquarters of the Superintendent Nichols, at uh, headquarters of Superintendent Nichols, and engaged in a variety of congratulatory exercises. <laughs> they sang songs with a volume of voice that could be heard miles off. Love that. An old man arose and said, I am free now. The Lord Jesus has made me free. And then he followed with the song, Let My People Go sung with a thrilling effect. And during the reading of the proclamation, explanations were, were made showing the different portions of Virginia in which freedom was declared. And when many of the people, once recognizing their native count, uh, counties, cried out, that's me, I'm free. The remainder of the evening was spent in exhortations and prayers and hymns and joyful exclamations and blessings on Mr. Lincoln. It was a scene never to be forgotten by any who witnessed it. Can you imagine longing for freedom? The Jews had longed for the Messiah who would come to set them free. For generations and generations and generations. And here's the announcement. And guys, the shepherds go and they, they share this. They react. They respond to meeting Jesus by spreading the word because they absolutely knew that it was good news. That it was good news. That would bring great joy to all the people. See, the significance of what the angel said confirmation from what they witnessed and the knowledge that it was absolute good news. That's why they responded to Jesus in this way. That's how they came to adore him. They spread the word concerning what the angels had said. All right, now let's turn this to ourselves. What do we learn from them? What do we see as a fitting response to the coming of Jesus? What is a, a, a proper response, a way to adore Jesus? Well, <laughs> it's to spread the word. It's to do exactly, to respond exactly like the shepherds responded here. It's to do as the old Christmas song says, yeah, go tell it on the mountain. You know, over the hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born. It, it's that. It's, man, let's go Tell people who Jesus is and what he's done. That's a fitting response. That's a way to adore the king. And if you, if you think, okay, well, Jake, that might be a stretch. I mean, you're just like, that's what the shepherds did, but why do you think that that's what we should do? Well, Jesus told us <laughs> to do that too, right? I mean, we studied that this fall in, in, the, in our series in the book of Acts. I and mean, if you remember, what does Jesus say in Acts 
1, verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. That Jesus says, okay, this is what I want for you to do. In fact, it's so important that the Holy Spirit is coming to enable you to do this. So that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're gonna, he's coming on you to give you power to do this very thing. To go tell it on the mountain. To go spread the word. To go be my witnesses. Starting where you are. For them, that was Jerusalem. For us, it's Austin. And heading out to the ends of the earth. This is the way. This is one of the key ways. We sing his praises, we, we ponder the truth, we think deeply about it, that it impacts our lives. We give because of what's been given to us, and then we also adore him by getting the word out, by being his witnesses, as Jesus called us to. And so let's go do that, <laughs> right? But I'm not going to end the message there. No, I could. I mean, it's like, here's what we should do. Let's go do it. But I, you know, I'm not so naive as to to think that, like, that comes easy for us. It doesn't, you know, I'm the pastor here, but it doesn't come easy for me that we all struggle with getting the word out, spreading the word about Jesus. Some more than others, but none of them I would think just is like, oh, man, that's no problem at all. And usually all of us, to some sense, to, you know, we, we struggle with some fear around that, don't we? Yeah, whether it's, fear of rejection. We start talking to our neighbors or friends, classmates, whatever, about Jesus. We're afraid that they might, you know, write us off. Or it could be, uh, you know, fear of offending the person you're talking to. And so we don't want to ever offend them. And so we just kind of keep Jesus to ourselves. Man, I understand that. Or it could just be fear of not knowing what to say. And so you're like, I don't, you know, I'm afraid if I open my mouth, I'm just going to like, you know, <laughs> it's not going to go well. I understand that fear, too. And oftentimes, fear is the thing that keeps us from responding, adoring Jesus in a fitting way. We, we don't spread the word about him. And so let's ask the same question that we asked about the shepherds, right? So, so we said, okay, how do they respond? That? Why did they respond that way? Well, let's ask this question. We see how we should respond. We should spread the word. But let's ask, why can we respond in that way? And I think that the answer to that question is, it really follows the exact same reason why the shepherds were able to respond the way they did. For example, look at this. The reason why we can respond in that way to Jesus, spreading the word, is because of the significance of what the angel said. The significance of what the angel said. Namely, specifically, the significance of what the angel said in his, his or I don't know if it's he, but in the angels greeting to the shepherds. What was that? Look then, verse, verse 10, what was the greeting? The angel said, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, let's ask a question. Why did the angel begin by saying, do not be afraid? Now, if you... Remember, when we read it in verse 9, when the angel appears and shines with the, the glory of the Lord, we're told that the uh, shepherds were terrified. And so it makes sense that the angel would show up and say, hey, don't be afraid, because they're clearly they were afraid. But why does the angel say not be afraid? 
that he doesn't say, or it doesn't say, or angel doesn't say, uh, don't be afraid because uh, I'm a nice angel. <laughs> don't, don't be afraid because I'm, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to harm you. What does the angel say? Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, we don't use that word behold real often, though I think you should try working it in this week, just a side assignment, right? But, um, but we know like the word behold just means look. Right, and so it's interesting. A, a real literal translation of this, of this, of the angel's greeting would be this: uh, Do not be fearing; be perceiving. For I bring you the gospel. So the good news—that's that's just translation of the gospel. So the angel says, the reason you shouldn't fear. Is because if you look, if you if you if you are perceiving of what I'm coming to bring you, the gospel, the good news, then you'll see you have no reason to fear. And guys, here's the principle. If you're following me, here, here's the principle. It's this: that if we behold the gospel, we won't be afraid. Period. That if we will behold the gospel. We will not be afraid. Now, here's why the angel would say that. Here's why I point this out. is because if you would take the time to comprehend, to look closely, friends, at the gospel message, it will remove the fear that so often dominates and overwhelms our lives. For here is the gospel. Here's, here's, here's one of the things we learn from the gospel. God loves you so much that Jesus lived and died for you so that you could be reconciled to him. And here's another thing we learn from the gospel. God is so powerful that Jesus defeated sin and death in order to reconcile you to him. Here's another thing we learn from the gospel. God is so wise that he would take the most horrific evil ever perpetrated by Satan and mankind, the killing of God the Son, and he would use that to flip it on its head to bring about the greatest glory of all the world, the salvation of all who would believe. And guys, if we would simply behold the gospel, we would see the God of the universe loves you more than you could possibly wrap your mind around. And that he is more powerful than you can fathom. And that he is wiser than you can imagine. And that he is more trustworthy than you believe right now. And when you see that that's who loves you, and that's who has you, then you would recognize you do not need to fear. You would see that it's possible for you not to be afraid. See, because his perfect love, as First John says, drives out fear. As, think about it. A perfect relationship with the God of the universe who loves you this much, why would we fear? Why would we fear anything? Why would we fear 
what others think about us if we know that this God, the God, thinks this much about us? Is this crazy about us, loves us this much? Why would we fear the circumstances of our lives if we know that this God is the God who is in control and is trustworthy so we can trust him with our circumstances? Why would we fear death when we know that he's overcome death and we'll be with him forever? Think of whatever you might fear and recognize that in him as you behold the gospel, friends. You have no need to fear. See, here's the wild truth is that when it comes to spreading the word, to spreading the gospel, what we must do first is we must personally behold the gospel. And as we more and more thoroughly believe the gospel, we will be more and more freed to go and share it with others. As we behold the gospel and see just how rich it is, how good the news really is, it will bring great joy in us, which will then spill over, will move us, will compel us to go share the good news with others. See, the reason why we can respond in this way, first and foremost, is because of the significance of what the angels said. We do not need to fear because the gospel. As we behold the gospel, we will not fear. Enables us to go share it. And then, and then the second thing is, just like with the shepherds, is this that when we see the gospel through God working in our lives through the gospel and changing us, then we have the confirmation from what we have personally witnessed. God working in our lives to free us, to change us. And as you see God doing that work in your life, then that's another factor that moves us, that, that compels us to go and spread the word. And so let me ask you, do you see the, the evidence of God work, at work in your life? I mean, can you think about what it was like? For those who've trusted in Christ, can you, can you think of what life was like before that? And can you see... As the good news has come home to you and you've trusted in Christ, how he's begun changing you and setting you free and you're walking in the joy of knowing him. Do you see that? And so where you see that, like that's confirmation what you personally witnessed Jesus doing in your life. And that will compel you to go share others, to be a witness of telling people what you've seen Jesus do personally for you who he is and what he's done. Um, some of us, we just have a hard time putting words to that. So I love, I love this little outline. I have it up here um, to help us think about this. But just think through this grid. There, there was a time when I was blank, but then Jesus. And now by his grace, I am. You might think, okay, I know some of y'all's story, you would say, man, there was a time in my life when I was re- religious and I was judgmental. But then Jesus. And then I realized that I could never earn my way to Jesus. I could never do enough things, but that Jesus and his grace for, grace for me lived the life I was supposed to live, died the death in my place that I could be forgiven by his grace. But, that's, but then Jesus, and now having believed that and him doing his work in my life, I am now full of joy and way more humble because I recognize I can't look down my nose at anybody. 
We can just look up to Jesus. You have a story like that? Or you think, okay, there was a time when I, when I was uh, stressed out and just <laughs> so full of worry all the time. But then Jesus. And then I saw that Jesus, that in Jesus, God loved me so much that he would die for me. And that even the worst thing ever, the death of the Son, God is able to use to bring about the greatest good. And if God is in control to that degree, then I realize that I could be at peace trusting him. And so now, because of Jesus, I have so much more rest and peace in my life. You have a story like that? Because what's your story? I want to encourage you this week, maybe perhaps just jot this down and, and write it out. As you see the confirmation of what Jesus is doing in your life, you witness this, it will compel you to go spread the word of what he's done, who he is. And then the, the, third, the third thing that will cause us, why we can respond the way that the shepherds did, is if we know that the gospel really is good news. If you know that it's really good news. Let me ask you, do you know it is? I mean, is the gospel really good news to you? Is it? See, for the Jews, they hear the Messiah come. I mean, they knew it was good news. For the African Americans in our country, when they heard the proclamation read, they knew it was good news. When you hear the gospel, is there something in you that just says, yes, that's the best news in the world? Do you know it's good news? Hear this, friends. If you're unsure, if you're like, you know, I don't know, I want you to hear, here's the news of the gospel. The God of the universe is crazy about you. Is that good news? Yeah, it is. How crazy about you? See, God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. That crazy about you. That Jesus would come willingly to give his life to make the way for you to be reconciled to God. That crazy about you. Do you know how much you matter? Do you know that you matter so much that God would willingly die for you? Is that good news? Yeah, yeah it is. Don't we all carry around the question, am I valuable, am I significant? Do I matter? The gospel shouts, yes! More than you could ever know, you matter to God. What's the proof? The gospel's the proof. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that you would be reconciled to him. Is that good news? Yeah, that's good news. You want, here's good news. The gospel says that Jesus, through his death on the cross, has, has forgiven you from the penalty of your sin. You've been forgiven. And as much as you might try to beat yourself up for your past mistakes, God never will. He has forgiven you 
through Jesus, through faith in him of your past. And here's another thing. Jesus, through his death on the cross, he has freed you from the power of sin. So you think, man, I'm just stuck in this life. I just mess up the same way over and over and over again. I can never break free from this. Jesus says, here's the gospel. I died to sin so that in me, you too have died to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. I have set you free from the power of sin. Yes, it still messes with you, but you have the ability in me to say no to sin and yes to godliness. Is that good news? Absolutely, that's good news. You think this world is so messed up. Oh, I just long for a day when there truly is peace on earth. The gospel says that through Jesus, there will be that he not only has saved us from the penalty of our sin and the power of sin, but one day in the future, secured in Christ's death and resurrection, we will be saved from the very presence of sin. And that there will be a new heavens and new earth when all is set right with God. Guys, is that good news? Absolutely that's good news. As is the gospel good news to you? If it is, then you'll want to share it. You'll want to share it. You think, well, but what about my friends? Like, they don't understand. They just, it doesn't seem like good news to them. Let me tell you, it's not on us to convert people. It's not on us to get them to believe it. Because that is between God and them. No, here is how we adore Jesus. Here's how we respond to him in light of who he is and what he's done for us. We just tell people, Good news. I think about what the shepherds might have felt. They're like, man, we got to tell everybody. But then they think, yeah, but who's going to believe us? We're just a bunch of ordinary shepherds. See, the shepherds had angels tell them, but everybody else just got shepherds, right? Because that's how God works. If you read scripture, if you think about your own personal story, The way that God most often works is that he communicates his incredibly good news through ordinary vessels. And friends, God wants to do that through you. Let God and the person you're talking to deal with whether they believe it or not. But you, me, hey, Let's adore Jesus. Let's adore Jesus by spreading the word. That's why we as a church, we we gather on Sundays, we talk a lot about the gospel. We take communion together every Sunday as a way to remember the gospel. We want to spread the word about the good news that brings great joy for all people. It's why we also as a church say, church is not this. We are the church. And one way we continue to worship God throughout the week is that we are seeking to partner with God, the vision of Midtown, to see the day when every man, woman, and child hears the gospel from someone who loves them, beginning here in Austin and expanding to the ends of the earth. Friends, let's do this together with God as a way to adore him in light of the fact that the gospel is good news, such good news that when we behold it, we would see we have no reason to fear.
So let's end with a challenge and then a time of beholding. The challenge is this. No surprise here, but I want to really encourage you to just identify, even now, pray, and ask God, if you, put, if you have, have a relation with God already through Jesus, just ask God, who, who would you have me tell? And just ask for one, just one person. Just let one person come to mind. Who will you tell? And perhaps you would go tell them today, perhaps tomorrow. I'd encourage you to try to tell them before the year, year comes to an end. Adore Jesus in that way. Who would you tell? And as you think about that and the fear starts coming, let's respond by beholding the gospel, by taking communion. And so what we're going to do is uh, invite you to come up to front or in the back for everyone who's placed their faith in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. The table's open for you. And guys, when we come to the communion table, what we are remembering is the gospel. And when you hold the cup and you hold the bread in your hand, may you, may you literally behold it. May you look into this. Would you see that this is how much God loves you? That Jesus would have his body broken for you. That his blood would be spilled for you. To usher in the new covenant based on his sacrifice, where we relate to God not based on what we do for God, but what Jesus has done for us. That we would know that you, that you would know that you matter to God that much. That you would know that you are with God because of Jesus. That the good news even now would come home to your heart and one result of it would be that you would be freed from fear. Because you've been reconciled to God. So let me pray. You can come and take communion. And let me also just add real quick. If, if you have never placed your faith in Christ... But even now, while we're talking about this, you hear the good news. And there's a part of you that wants to believe that's true. Guys, I would encourage you during this time, if you've never believed it, that you would just use this time to pray and ask God. You might not even be sure if there's a, there is a God, but just pray anyways. Just say, God, if you're real, will you help me believe that you love me that much? Or perhaps you're ready to believe and you would just say, God, I believe. You love me this much, that you died for me, Jesus, that I could be forgiven of my sins. Tell him that. Place your trust in him and know right now the great joy that is knowing Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, it, may it not become commonplace that you love us, this is amazing. May this remain good news. It brings great joy for each one of us. And Lord, that this great news, this good news would spill out to causing us to want to spread the word. That we would tell people the good news. And God, would, you, would we trust you to do the work in their hearts? Lord, would you find in us adorers of you? Now, yes, God, we sing your praises. Lord, we think about the truth and we give, but God, would you also move us to be people who spread the word so that every man, woman, and child in Austin and beyond would hear the gospel of someone who loves them. As we take communion, may you free us from, be, from fear as we behold the truth of the gospel. And God, for those in here who are wrestling even right now, whether they believe this or not, God, would you, would you bring it home to their heart? 
that you love them so much that you gave your son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God, you're good. May we behold it right now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.